0: Welcome to the succeed with content strategy podcast, the show that shares knowledge and insights into applying content strategy principles to your marketing and professional efforts. I'm your host, Rebecca Stewart, content strategist, content strategy coach and co founder of Content Academy. In this podcast, I share the latest trends and get the inside scoop from business owners, marketers and content strategy professionals on how their content is propelling them forward. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, And let's start learning how we can succeed with content strategy. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Succeed with Content Strategy podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Stewart. So I started my content strategy career at an academic medical center here in Chicago, Northwestern Memorial Hospital. It was an amazing experience. It was a chance that I had to work with a user experience architect, with a couple of tech guys. And we all worked together to develop content strategies, user experience, new websites that's going to help patients and caregivers get the information they need to get into the hospital, to understand what kind of care that they needed to see if the hospital offered that information. So because this type of content is so important, health information, it's always the number one searched topic. Pew always says this is the number one search topic: healthcare. So my guest today is a woman who started at also at a different academic medical center as a writer, who saw the need for hospitals and healthcare systems to become more publishing focused, and so she left her comfortable job full-time job and started her own business where she started blogging. And she had such demand that she had to hire another person to help her, and then another person and another person. And she has changed her blogging company into a content strategy agency. Now, in this episode, we're going to focus on the importance of content in healthcare systems, where it's been, where it's going, and why it's needed. But you're going to get a bonus here because when you hear Kadisha, she is so inspiring. She's going to tell her story about how she started, how she didn't know exactly what to do, how to do it, but she did it. So, this is going to be great if you're in the healthcare world, if you're a writer who wants to turn into a content strategist, you're an entrepreneur, just gives you some inspiration. So, enjoy the interview with Kadisha Thomas Smith and learn about the importance of content in healthcare. My guest today is Kadisha Thomas Smith. Khadisha is the CEO and founder of Care Content, which is here in Chicago. And I first met Kadisha back in 2013 with an introduction from Jim Jacoby, who I interviewed the last episode, Kadisha, when I met her, was starting a company, had just left Academic Medical Center here in Chicago and started writing blogs for healthcare. And so she's grown her business where she has content developers on her staff. She has project manager and she has turned her business from a blogging business into a content strategy agency. And she has just really evolved and grown because she saw the need of content in healthcare. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kadisha. Thank you. It's great to have you on. It is fun. We met just in passing. What was that six years ago? Yeah. Probably. And we reconnected because Kadisha was and we'll get into this working with some hospitals and they said, Hey, we need a website redesign. Would you help us? And so she said, Hey, I need my team to learn about content strategy. So she contacted me and I went and did a 10 week program training her team of how to be content strategist. Mm-hmm. Kadesha, I'd love for you to share with the audience your story before we get into the details here.
1: Yeah. So I started out, I've always had an interest in health related content. I think I knew when I was like a teenager that's the direction I wanted to go career wise. I used to like read the women's health magazines and mark them up and, you know, <laughs> highlight what I would change. And then uh, I had a, teacher in high school that told me, you know, people get paid to do that. And that's when I decided I wanted to study journalism. And I thought I wanted to go work for a women's magazine in New York. And I went and worked for magazines in New York and I did not like it. So I I wanted to figure out a different way that I could use this interest in healthcare and this talent for writing about it in a different way. So I kind of took a break from the career track and just did some traveling. I went to grad school. And when I came back, I became an editor at an academic medical center. And even though I didn't like the, you know, the corporate work environment, I saw that this medical center was pumping out as much content as any magazine. I mean, mm-hmm. daily volume of content for patients, for referring physicians, for their researchers. They were essentially a publishing company in disguise.
0: That's so crazy to think mm-hmm. about that.
1: Yeah, yeah it, was, it was crazy. And we had such a small team charged with creating all this content or managing the freelancers that I decided that you know because the whole corporate environment wasn't really a good fit for me that maybe I should go freelance and make my freelance writing specialty in healthcare and medicine. And so I did that exactly a year after I started that job and the demand for a healthcare specific freelance writer was insane. I had to shut my website down because I was Oh you're kidding I had to shut it down. I I was trying to hide basically because the Uh. demand for work was so high from both agencies, from healthcare organizations directly. The demand was incredible. I actually topped my salary by like 50%. So, oh my gosh. How
0: are they finding you?
1: You know, they would, it was a lot of word of mouth recommendations. One agency I worked for produced multiple websites and magazines for healthcare organizations. And when the editor of, One magazine would hear, oh, I heard you have somebody good. Can she write our cover stories too? And it just kept kind of growing through word of mouth. And then also when you go and tell people, yeah, I write specifically about healthcare, they get very excited because that's what they do. (laughs) So I wasn't really marketing myself. It just kind of happened. And that's when I said, okay, this is a bigger venture than just me being a freelancer. This is something that could actually be a real company, like where I need employees and things like that. So I denied it for a long time. I, I kind of wanted to just retreat and not deal with it. The thought of starting a company was really intimidating for me. But the more I just thought about it and prayed about it, the less I could sleep, which is as much as I love to sleep, when I have to wake <laughs> up thinking about something, that means it needs to be dealt with. And I just said, you know what, I'm just going to have faith and see what happens. And I think a year later, I had the first employee.
0: Oh my gosh. So Mm it's definitely a calling for you that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: How many years were you doing, you know, as your company grew, that was like in 2013
1: or so? Yep. Okay. So in 2013, we got our first contract client where we were writing blogs for a health system that had like 12 hospitals. And it was a huge volume, but we were like two people and an intern at that time or something like that. And I decided that instead of focusing so much on growth, I really needed to focus on learning. I am, you know, business was not in my background. I did not study it. I have no experience with it. And I think the, you know, the learning curve is very steep when you're starting a business or when you're going from being the the service provider to the business owner. So, you know, we didn't aggressively pursue other clients for the first year or two. I just really wanted to find clients that understood where we were at and that this, you know, Publishing content regularly was new for the industry as well. So there weren't best practices established. There was just, you know, people trying to figure it out. And, you know, I was able to convince a couple of clients to help, you know, let us help you figure it out because we're figuring it out too. And that was really great because we didn't come to these clients with, you know, the established protocols and methods that a lot of other agencies had. We were ready to learn and ready to take on fresh approaches. And we had no allegiance to any method. If we could, we would do whatever worked. So, yeah. So, it's so refreshing to be
0: able to, you know, just say, we don't know if this is the right way, but we're going to, need to try it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try it because we think this will work. But if it mm-hmm. doesn't, we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, since 2013, 2012, you're seeing this need of hospitals, healthcare systems needing content. How have you seen this evolve? I mean, you're seeing it firsthand because they're coming to you about websites now. So yeah. what what are you seeing in this healthcare space from a content perspective?
1: I think I have seen that content strategy and being a content strategist, it makes you pretty much the top dog of digital engagement. So when you think about all of the different brains that go into producing content for a healthcare audience online, you have graphic designers, you have UX designers, you have content strategists, you have content writers and editors, the content strategist sits very much at the epicenter of all of that. And I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. So the first client where, you know, we, we started doing blogs and they would just kind of place orders, you know, we need this, we need this. We weren't really their strategic partner. But the next mm-hmm. client we got needed a strategic partner because they wanted to reach an audience and they said, how do we reach this audience? So when they ask you that, you officially become their content strategist. And I kind of just pulled together a plan myself. I did the discovery interviews because learning from journalism, you always want to talk to people. So who do I need to talk to to understand what your real needs are? And I put together a content strategy for how they could reach this audience. It was a patient audience, a very niche patient audience. And they really liked it. But then I realized that to pull this off, everyone needed to kind of come to me for answers. The web developers wanted to know what to do when they came to me. The graphic designers wanted to know what to do when they came to me. The writers, everybody. And I was like, okay, am I really running this? I just wanted to put out some ideas. But that was how I realized that, you know, if you are going to produce content for a healthcare audience where you want them to take an action or you want them to engage, you really have to have content strategy at the very center of it sort of driving everything behind it.
0: It's just music to my ears to hear that. So many things that you said. One thing was you just started doing it where you didn't think of yourself as a content strategist. And that's one of the things I preach to people is you don't have to be a content strategist to do content strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, you may be saying, well, I do this already. This is the type of things I do. But so there's that. But then I loved that you mentioned that There's content strategy of understanding how to reach people, understanding your audience, your message, your voice and tone. But then it's that next step of working with the visual designer, the tech people, you know, all of that. And so that's that next step of everything that you have to learn from a content. Like
1: content is just the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the crux of that. And even when I think back to my time at the academic medical center, the reason we were so overworked with producing all this content is because we didn't have a strategy. (laughs) You know, we were just taking orders from the physicians, taking orders from the researchers, trying to appease them by creating whatever content they requested. But there was no strategy driving it, giving us the leverage to say, actually, that's not our goal, or actually, that's not a key audience, or... Here's a better way to accomplish your goal.
0: So by having a content strategy, you're going to save time and money and make your audience more engaged. They're Absolutely. going to bring you to the the information that you're providing.
1: Absolutely.
0: A couple of years ago, then you had a couple of, of your clients say, hey, help us with our website redesign. And I will be transparent. I did come in and help with that content strategy for that and work with your team. So during that experience with the content strategy, designing those sites, and now You've launched those. What are you seeing now with healthcare systems as you work with them? Of how do you stay engaged with them? And how, how is the content still the main focus?
1: Uh, you know, it, it is how they talk to their audiences. I am one of those people that, you know, I understand that traditional marketing is still a viable method to talk to your audience. But I, I think that any traditional marketing tactic should be driving people to your, your web content because you can't expect people to convert off of a billboard. Right. You can expect that billboard to drive them to the section of your website where they'll get more information and then make a decision about, you know, signing up for the event or making an appointment. So, content is how you talk to your audience, it is how you have a conversation and how you interact with them. People have been conditioned to expect content that speaks directly to them. Even when you think about more consumer type content, like Netflix, for example. Netflix, the reason people sit and binge watch on Netflix is because they are serving up content that you want and it's so compelling, you can't get off the couch. I think people are being conditioned to expect the brands and the organizations that they interact with to give them content that's relevant to them. And I think in hospitals particularly, I think hospitals have a moral obligation to give people content that helps them. It is not a nice-to-have, and honestly, it's a marketing tool, but that's a second priority. There is a moral obligation for hospitals to educate people about the diagnosis, about the treatments, about the experience you're going to have, because often hospitals are giving people bad news, and they're giving people life-changing news, and you have a moral responsibility to educate them about that, even when they're not in your four walls.
0: Right. It's like content for good.
1: Exactly.
0: (sighs) Well, okay. So- now you going back to you felt like the hospital that you worked at was publishing. Now, that's an academic medical center that has the money to pay people who have the skills to do that. But mm-hmm. what are you seeing in hospitals? Do hospitals have the staff
1: who can manage this content? You know, a few years ago, I would say no. I would say th- four years ago, four or five years ago, hospitals would talk about how they only had two or three people working on the entire website. And one of them was a technical webmaster who could not and should not be writing. Um, Right. (laughs) And then then I would say over the last four years, you're starting to hear hospitals having content marketing directors and digital engagement directors, and they're starting to dedicate more of their human resources to content. So I would say it's grown over the, you know, the the presence of content focused teams in the healthcare space in-house have grown. Uh, I'm really glad to see that because it shows that they now understand that it's a priority. And how then do they work with you? They work What's, with us when they realize they can't do it all. They they realize that, I mean, they they still don't want to become publishers. They don't want to have a newsroom in the hospital cranking out content. Many, you have some organizations like, you know, Advocate Aurora Health that have become, you know, essentially newsrooms, but not every hospital has that A desire. Not every hospital has the budget for that, but again, the obligation is still the same. So when they come to us, it's because they have people in house who have taken the pulse of what is needed, but they don't have the internal bandwidth to execute. And Mm -hmm. so they come to us to help them develop a strategy that they can execute, but also includes us as a partner with helping them create some of the content and promote it. And it really is a partnership, it really is us as an extension of their marketing team, you know, sharing ideas, sharing recommendations and being sort of that outside voice to help them. And honestly, I do think we, we're kind of like, you know, in a boxing ring, you have the two boxers that go to their separate corners and then you have the coach that comes in and sort of tries to motivate them again. That's a lot of what we do. We give our healthcare marketing clients just that extra, you know, motivation to go to the doctors that are demanding all these things and say, here's our strategy. To go to the senior leaders who are making demands or maybe even complaining of that, you know, marketing is not performing well. We sort of take them in a corner, massage their shoulders and say, okay, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to say. Here's how you make the case for what you're doing.
0: I love that. And I think that's the value of an agency that focuses on content strategy because you have content developers on staff who can continue working. You know, I've worked in so many agencies. All we did was, here's your site, hand it off. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Mm-hmm. We're done. We're off to the next client. Mm-hmm. But you guys are there nurturing this site, constantly optimizing it, constantly improving it. And I love the the fact that you're thinking about it as where your coach, where you're, yeah. you're going to get you through this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think coach is a good example because coaches don't always say yes. You know, coaches are not always going to tell you what you want to hear and give you what you want. Our job is to help our clients really think through possible solutions. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we do say, you know what, I don't think that direction is consistent with the goals that we've agreed to. And oftentimes they're relieved to hear it because they don't want to do it anyway. They're just getting the demand from someone else in the organization who's not as familiar with the strategy. So it really is. A partnership, like I said, and as the outsiders, we can take a little more liberty to push back, basically. I think anybody right. who's worked in-house in corporate knows that you can have your directors and your managers sharing ideas and they may or may not get any attention. But when a $500 an hour consultant comes on and says it, it gets done immediately. Right. <laughs> so we kinda, we kind of have <laughs> a little more liberty to say some things that our clients may not feel comfortable saying.
0: Money talks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what are you seeing in the fu- in the near future for healthcare? Where do you see it going from a content perspective of how is that changing and what's the, ne- what's the next big thing?
1: Yeah, I see, actually, I'm going to give a scenic route type explanation, but I, I really see patient experience becoming more and more prevalent, uh, a more prevalent priority in hospitals. You're seeing like chief patient experience officer, you're seeing more human resources dedicated to patient experience. I do think in the future, people are going to start to consider the website a patient experience factor. And mm-hmm. I don't know what this means for the marketing team. I don't know if you're going to start to see patient experience people talking to the marketing team more, but right now they're pl- pretty split. Patient experience is separate. Digital marketing is separate. But I, I see those two coming more closely under one umbrella, maybe not totally converging, but I see them becoming more closely related and playing off of each other, because as the patient experience person is getting feedback and seeing how the experience is for people coming into the healthcare organization, they're going to be relaying that information to the digital marketing team so it can be conveyed on the website. So I see those coming together. I also see user experience and content strategy coming together in one brain. I don't think they're going to be two different positions anymore. Right now, UX designers, the traditional thought of is, you know, this person is looking at the the layout of the website. You know, are the buttons easy to find? You know, is the navigation easy to follow? Kind of technical things and maybe even more design-related things. I think in order to be a successful UX designer, you're going to have to know content and you're going to have to know how to position content so that it can be found, so that people will easily act on it, so they know what to do next. So I, I see those two coming together in one brain as well. I 100%
0: agree that user experience people need to understand that mm-hmm. and when i tell my students who want to become content strategists i say we're here to serve the ux team to let them know what kind of contents needed for you to design this mm-hmm. so so you know if there's 20 patient education articles versus 2000 mm-hmm. that makes a difference yep. so we we'll, we need to tell you that and and i think you're right that there are for the smaller agencies and sometimes you don't have the luxury of having two separate people so yeah. And vice versa, content strategists need to understand UX a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I think you're right about to the one of the things when I worked in the hospital academic medical center is before we started the website, we were so even within the marketing team, we were all so siloed
1: because mm.
0: that's how it, it worked that way. But when you are working on a website where you're gathering all of this content, those silos have to be broken down and people have to across the aisle have to talk to each other. So I think that's, I'm so glad you said that for those healthcare professionals who are out there, those CMOs out there designing their teams, thinking about it that way is so important.
1: I would love to see marketing teams include sort of a patient experience researcher or somebody whose job is to just roam around the health system and try to find gaps in the patient experience, try to find hiccups in the patient experience, and take that information back to both the senior leaders and the marketing team to figure out how to fix it. Because even if it's fixed in the hospital, people don't come to your front door first. They go to your website first. So they need to understand, okay, what is this experience going to be like and manage those expectations for them first when they come to the website and then when they come in the actual door.
0: Right. And that goes to because technology is letting us do things online mm-hmm. before we even have to go into the hospital. So, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. That is such a. I'm so glad that you said that. That is such an important thing to think about that experience before you even step in the door. Yep. Well, Kadisha, thank you so much for your insight into healthcare and content and sharing your story. It's so motivating. I love that you said I had no idea what how to do business. <laughs> I was not a you know business focus. And look at you. You've created this amazing organization care content.com. So how can people contact you if they want to connect with you and ask you questions?
1: LinkedIn is actually uh, better than my inbox. So if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty easy to find. There's not very many Kadesha's in the planet. So um, <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the best way. Send me a message, connect with me, and then we can go from there.
0: Great. I'll put a link on my website as well to Kadesha's LinkedIn account. But there you have it. Why content is so important in healthcare. Thank you, Kadesha. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey everyone, I want to give a quick shout out and say thank you for listening to the podcast. Now that we have a few under our belt, I want to reach out to you and ask you what you're enjoying about this podcast, how it's helping you, and also what type of topics you'd love to hear. So please reach out to us. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and our handle is at Strategy. You can write a comment on our website, SucceedWithContentStrategy.com. And I also would like to invite you to join our cohort. We're extending the free membership for another few months. So when you go to succeed with content strategy on Facebook, look for the groups page and request to join. In there, we have marketers, writers, social media strategists, WordPress gurus who are having conversations about what's trending, what's frustrating, asking questions, giving ideas, and talking about their successes. So I invite you to continue the conversation through our social media channels and be a part of the team. So we're all here to learn from each other and make content strategy the key to our success. Thanks for listening. So there you have it. A huge thank you to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Impostor Studios for editing the Succeed with Content Strategy podcast. Please subscribe so you can hear more interviews from people who are succeeding with content strategy.